Hello, friends. This is Paul. Now, we heard from several of you that you went back and started again from the beginning after last week's episode. That's super cool. And it's actually a great point in the story to do that. In fact, I'm going to suggest, if you have the time, that you do what Rob asked the four of us to do right before we met to record this one. He asked us to specifically re-listen to the prologue and the first part of chapter one, basically everything up until Gull dies in the nightmare. Now, some of what you're about to hear will likely resonate a bit more if that material is fresh in your mind. Now, this app does some world building in a really different way. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome back to Dark Nexus. Tonight, it's Act One, Interlude. Ooh. What brought our protagonists, your characters, together? Was it something grand and mystical like prophecy? Nope. Prophecy died when the god Eridan died. There is no prophecy or capital F fate in the world of our story. What brought your characters together was people. Three particular people, in fact. We know about one of them already, and we we finally learned his name last chapter, Count Hazerton Pragmus Lowell's IV, ruler of Versex County. And last chapter, we discovered the second person that bound you all together. You are all tied in some way to the man who died in the dungeons of Briarstone Asylum at the hands of Dr. Skeen, a man named Gulliver Vaticus. The third is someone we don't know yet someone whose path we have not yet crossed. But you know, in this moment, as you stand in the shambles of the records room, in this moment of forgotten truths stirring fitfully in your minds, allow me to introduce her into our narrative by way of a few short stories. And to do that, I got some scripts for each of you. Mm -hmm. Robert. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And... down to mm-hmm. Johnny and Katie. All right, you ready? Mm-hmm. Here we go. 39 years ago, a nine-year-old child stands at dusk on the polished blue-tiled floor of an audience chamber fit for a king, but possessed by a monster. 22 years ago, a nine-year-old child stands at midnight in a steeply sloping alleyway, bare feet wet with sewage. A storm is coming. Nineteen years ago, a nine-year-old child stands beneath the unrelenting heat of the midday sun at the heart of a natural amphitheater. Thirteen years ago, a nine-year-old child stands at dawn 
beneath the eaves of the Wailing House, shrouded in mist. And in the year 4679, in 4696, in 4699, and in 4705, the same person watches them. Life just changed forever for each of these kids. They're all young, but they understand this one thing instinctively. Nothing will ever be the same again. The world they knew five minutes earlier is a world to which they can never return, even if they wanted to. Something terrible has happened, and the children are terrified. So, what do they do? One lashes out in desperation. Punching is always the answer. But he misjudges the approaching danger. Too fast, too fast. He falls forward and lands flat on his face. The howling starts, and with it comes the pain. One stumbles backward into a corpse, lets out a faint moan, and then runs. Runs nearly blind, as tears cloud her vision, and turn the world into a refracted, watery prism of dozens of rooms, hundreds of hallways, left, up, up, down, up, left. One brings his hands up to wipe the tears from his eyes, and then suddenly makes a break for the woods, running pell-mell across the square, yet he hesitates when he hits the wall, the low, faded stone wall beyond which they are not supposed to pass. And one backs away, unable to take his eyes off what's happened. He's facing forward but moving backward. He stumbles down a dead-end alley, ignores the open sewer grate and reaches desperately for the slick cloth rope draped over the nearby wall. At this moment, at four different points in time, a thousand other things might have happened to these children. At this moment when their lives changed forever. But instead, into each scene, in each time, a woman steps forward. She's wearing yellow leather, tightly bound over a thin body that bulges in unexpected and unsettling places. She radiates euphoria and agony. She smells of alien flowers blossoming beneath the red rays of a distant sun. Her eyes are milky pale orbs sans pupil or iris. Her mouth is covered by a yellow scarf. The silk moves. It wriggles, even when she's not talking. She reaches down. She takes the child, each child, by the hand. You will do nicely. Though it may be our choices that define us, it is the events we survive that temper us, and it is those with whom we survive those events that shape us, steer us, guide us down our particular paths. And in each path, in each year, of each child, the stranger asks, What is your name? Dark Nexus has been, and will continue to be, a horror story. A story of survival against brutal odds and truly reprehensible people. 
but Galarian contains within it the possibility of an infinite variety of stories. Stories of wacky adventure, stories of rollicking intrigue, bold daring do, stories of valiant freedom fighters bravely battling the forces of tyranny. So, tonight, I've got one last short story planned for us. It is a tale of four brave souls whose lives briefly intersected with the schemes of the stranger on one of the most significant days of their lives. We're gonna tell this story together. And here are your parts in it. <gasps> oh my God. Holy <gasps> Moses. <gasps> <laughs> so, a friend of ours, uh, a great player, GM, he and I have done a whole bunch of co-game mastering together over the years, and we've long held this Stephen King Dark Tower-inspired theory that every single game we've ever run exists somehow in dialogue with every other game we've ever run or played in. That there's this one big shared storytelling universe where all of our friends' characters from Galarian, from Faerun, from the world of Greyhawk, and all of our various homebrew worlds that all of these characters' lives touch somehow, some way, on the lives of all these other characters. And I like to do little crossovers from time to time. And that's what we're gonna do tonight. So, here is all our listeners need to know for tonight's little side quest adventure. Four friends overcame the trials of their youths and hit the road together. In one timeline, in one corner of the multiverse, perhaps they fled a brawl in the Feral Dog Tavern and played through the Age of Worms adventure path. Maybe they're even in the middle of fighting Dragotha right now. Who can say? I'm not in that universe. <laughs> but in this timeline, in this world, these four folks are right now in their early 20s. They fell in with freedom fighters in Andorin, and they spend their days fighting the slave trade that festers around the inner sea. So let's, uh, let's introduce these characters into the mix. Katie, who are you playing tonight? I'm playing Jane. Tell us about Jane. Jane's a second level, apparently, druid. She is a shapeshifter. Uh, I hardly know where to begin. She, her class was out of the Player's Handbook of Player's Handbook 2, two of, of third, third edition. edition. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pre-Pathfinder, mm -hmm. I didn't want to deal with the administration of Wild Shape or of having an animal companion, so uh, we <laughs> built a character that was her own animal companion. Yeah. She would have a limited number of forms that she could shift into, and those forms would each have their own unique abilities, um, and she would get stronger and stronger forms as time went on. Um, but that way I could have... I built her because I wanted to do a little bit of everything. I wanted to cast spells. I wanted to, sh I wanted to fight. And I, uh... <laughs> so the big thing yeah. that's different is that <laughs> she can shift as a swift action, which is very yeah. nice. But when she's in animal form, and her only form right now is a wolf, when she's in animal form, she cannot cast spells. So, so she's either a human who can cast spells, or she's a wolf who can fight well, but she can't do both at the same time. And on a personal note, mm -hmm. Jane was raised as a wolf. Yes. And yes. only recently came into, I mean, at second level, it was only recent that she had um, discovered her human form and joined the world of men. Yes. And it is a world of men, because all her companions are men. 
So I'll have you all know, I did actually go back into emails from like 12, 13 years ago and pull up your actual character sheets from that moment in time. I had to do some updating for some of you, like, we'll talk about you in a second, Robert. But like, the gear on your sheet is the actual gear your characters had at second level. They're now, what, 18th level? Is that right? 19th? 18th? 18th, 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 yeah. 18th level. Um, so this is your actual second level gear, your actual second level stats. But oh, as Katie mentioned... Stone. <laughs> As, as Katie mentioned, um, these characters went through 3rd edition, 3.5, Pathfinder, and then an update. We did an update at some point even during the Pathfinder era, so they've yeah. seen a lot of change. But let's talk uh, Let's talk about Johnny's character. Johnny, who are you playing? I'm playing Riddle Horson. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. And I am a chosen level 2, which is a variant cleric uh, caster, and I just... I totally sort of, I don't even know what to think about this because when we started playing this campaign, I was in a much, much, much different place uh, personally in my life. And so all of a sudden diving back into this character at second level makes me think of where I was during that time and how different life is now. Wow. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good thing. Wow. Yeah, very good thing. Very good thing. So the Chosen operates a little bit like the Oracle does in Pathfinder in that it's a spontaneous casting divine class. However, the big juice for them was that they got multiple domains, so multiple domain powers went a along with A new one it. every fifth level. Yeah, every yeah, Every five yeah. levels. Uh, and what, what did you have at this point? I had uh, travel and knowledge. Sweet, 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 sweet. And Polly, who are you playing? I'm playing Longfist. <laughs> Back when he was Longfist. Back when he was Longfist and not Long Claw. So Longfist is a half ogre from a violent past who is seeking goodness. He is a class as a sentinel, which I never really knew where sentinel came from. Uh, we made it up. Yeah. It's basically uh, <laughs> it is, it's it's, it's, it's in, in the vein of what Paizo did with the slayer and the brawler and they made these hybrid classes it's basically a hybrid paladin monk class so fights with fists has no armor but has a lot of traditional paladin abilities like laying on hands and smiting Smite evil, evil. Yeah, yeah yeah it's, it's kind of a crossover class and we never knew you at second level i think no i think you made a third right yeah yeah that's right because i came in later yeah, yeah although yeah. i had this sheet so maybe so maybe maybe, maybe we it came in like right at the end of second level, but yeah, yeah okay, maybe. yeah. Well, in uh, the first timeline, Longfist no longer exists, <laughs> so he was blinked out of existence uh, by his own choice and was reincarnated or reimagined by Paylor as Long Claw, a golden griffin. Amazing. <laughs> so it's neat to come back as Longfist. And Robert, who are you playing? I am playing Tyrell Shanty who uh, in this timeline is a second level human ninja. In the original timeline, Tyrell was a rogue uh, and was a, what was the name of that town? Um, Diamond Lake. Diamond, Diamond, Diamond Lake. Fell in with the wrong crowd and got out of it and went on adventures with these other lugs. And then um, we, in, we had a ranger join the party who wound up being better at everything <laughs> that rogues were good at. He was sneakier than me. <laughs> He could do a bazillion points of damage with his bow. So uh, we worked it into the story that Tyrell was actually reincarnated as a... After a death. After, after, a, after, after a, a, a terrible death. Character suffered a death. Uh, Rob gave me the, the option of, so what do you want to do? And we came up with this, and Tyrell was reincarnated as a fetchling, a creature of shadow, and was now a ninja instead of a rogue. So Tyrell, I've never played Tyrell as a second-level ninja. 
But uh, well, good luck. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> so, so I grabbed your I grabbed your second level rogue sheet, took those stats and equipment, and then took your eighteenth level ninja f- sheet and erased everything back down to second level. So this is what like what you would have been had that character existed wow. at that level as a human. Um, but yes, so he, his, his big thing is he gets to faint and bluff to get sneak attack, and I see that's still here. Yes, so. yes, 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 indeed. <laughs> nice. uh, so go ahead and take a second to look at your sheet, see what equipment you're dealing with. If you have any questions about, I tried to give you any uh, a description of any spells you had that you might not know. Uh, I apologize, Katie. I just prepared spells for you because you didn't know we Great were doing choices. this. So. Yeah. I'm I, uh, so glad I did not have to prepare spells. <laughs> I know, it's like a whole other character class. I, I also am noticing something about my character's height, weight, hair, and eyes. Oh, right. So my height in this in at Second level level. two is still 5 feet 10 inches, and my weight is 183 pounds. My eyes are ice blue, Yeah. and I have no hair. <laughs> in the course of Riddle's uh, life, he changed from looking like a sort of regular human male to looking like a sort of otherworldly alien creature that was almost six and a half feet, seven feet tall, yeah, crazy like slender. A, like a doppelganger giant, Like almost. a slender. <laughs> like an alien giant. What will we do without blessings of fervor? I know. <laughs> what it's, will you do at the beginning oh my of gosh. the It's so true. <laughs> Clothing out of fashion courtier's outfit. Looking at the the riddle sheet, I, I had to remember like he was actually one of your main melee yeah. combatants at first because he's, he's in heavy armor and he's got a long sword and you know now at that 18th level of course he's just like back in the background with Jane casting a thousand spells <laughs> <laughs> while the, other, the melee is left to others. Okay, so our little band of freedom fighters is in Casimir today. It's the second largest city in the empire of Taldor and as the place where the mighty put a pin in this name, where the mighty Selen River empties into the inner sea after its journey of hundreds of miles through a dozen different nations. It's a major, major trading hub. All manner of merchants pass their goods through Casimir, including slavers. So Tyrrell, Jane, Riddle, and Longfist are on a mission tonight. Their organization learned that the dastardly villain known in this city only as the stranger, that her organization will be moving a group of halflings on a certain pier tonight, and that the stranger herself seems to be off-continent at the moment. At least that's, that's what their intel says. So you have three mission priorities, and they are in order. Number one, free the halflings. Send them north to the base of the pier, where members of your organization will spirit them to safety. Number two, take out the slavers. None of them can be allowed to flee. Number three, if and only if you complete both one and two, escape. Everyone has committed to the parameters of this mission. You expect a force of four or five pirates, likely low-level warriors, maybe a rogue, including their knoll captain named Bloodtooth reportedly fearsome with his long spear. You expect there to be four halflings, three men, one woman. All were recently kidnapped and are believed, fingers crossed, to be in strong enough health they should be able to move under their own power. Free the halflings, take out the slavers, escape. And here's the layout of where tonight's fight is gonna go down. Do we have minis? We have our minis. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Grab the minis. Oh my gosh. We have our actual 
18th level 18th minis. minis. <laughs> this is so fun, Rob. Oh my gosh. I, I still just don't even know what to say about this. Oh my gosh. You can put the wolf off to the side. I've got 1d6 of sneak attack. What's even the point? I know. Oh, I've got five first level spells. We're not actually going to be fighting an ancient Dracolich, so. (laughs) So here is the layout of where this fight's going to go down. We're on a pier. One of the stranger's warehouses is off the east side of this 40-foot wide pier. Off the west side of the pier is a 15-foot drop down to the bay. North, towards Katie, lies the city and freedom for the halflings. South, towards me, lies the ship the halflings are going to be transferred to. Now, the pier is long enough that assuming that there are no major, ongoing, visible spell effects, you can assume you'd have at least a minute, maybe a minute and a half, before reinforcements from the ship could detect the sounds of combat and arrive to reinforce. Now there are these tall piles of boxes and crates all over the pier between the ship and the warehouse, providing cover from uh, the sight lines of nearby piers and the shore and like the harbor master's office to ensure that this trafficking stays unseen. So there are loads of places for the party to hide and there's one specific narrow alley to the south where your enemies would be forced to walk single file for a ways in case that ends up being helpful. Is the uh, is our requirement of, of taking the slavers out, does that include the people on the, the reinforcements on the boat or just the people that will be here at the... Just whoever is doing the transferring. The ship is known to be <laughs> uh, well stocked with forces. This is like this warehouse, think of it as like a little, basically a holding cell. So they got these halflings from somewhere, held them here, waited for the ship to arrive, and this is the point where they're going to transfer them to the large ship, which, you know, consider it as having like an army. Like the stranger's got an army, basically. Gotcha. It's night, but there's a full moon and some ambient light from the city. You've got the jump on this situation, and you all can set yourselves up wherever you like. Let's, uh, let's take the time to do that, and then we can describe where you're waiting. The the boxes that are marked with the little dots, you see those ones? Mm-hmm. Think of those as super low, like maybe the height of just like one crate or one trunk. So in order to get cover behind them, you would have to go prone. What if you're a wolf? Um, you would not have to go prone. Great. Can you put my wolf mini out there instead of Jane? All the rest of these boxes, I'm thinking of like, they want a block view. So think of them more like 10 feet tall. So all these, like a whole bunch of walls, essentially, kind of uh, forcing movement in certain directions on this on this pier here. This is the warehouse. Slavers are going to try to bring the halflings from the warehouse to the south to the ship. You want to intersect them somewhere and get the halflings running north toward the city. You know your enemies are going to come out of this door right here, and they're going to want to go this way to the south. And again. You all are set up here before this all happens. So wherever you want to be, let's think of this uh, warehouse as probably like 20 feet tall. So you could get up on top of it, but not super convenient to get down. But any of these like 10 foot tall crates, like swinging your legs over and dropping down uh, would be easy peasy. Uh, Is that a door uh, on the back side there? So on the ocean side, there is like a large loading door. Like there's one also on the pier side as well. And that's about 10 feet wide. This is a large loading door on the pier side, but it kind of it goes into an enclosed space, like boxed in by boxes. So obviously they don't, they don't use it 
They're mostly moving hu human cargo, so they don't need to use the large cargo doors for the purposes of what they're doing. So our assumption is they're going to have to come out that That's what you would guess. Door. That's are what the, you would guess. Are the crates too big for us to move? Uh, if you needed to move crates, I think you could move crates. Sure. We just want to control their direction, right? So we want to block off that bottleneck to the ship, right? Mm-hmm. And we don't want the slavers getting away before we can kill them, so we want to block off the city side as well. So as a wolf, I can hide behind one of the dotted ones, if mm -hmm. that's helpful. Mm -hmm. Who's stealthy in this group? I don't even remember. I mean, obviously, Tyrell. Yeah, are yeah. you stealthy as in the I have a plus form? two instead okay. of a minus three. <laughs> so stealthy-er. Minus three. Yeah, yeah. what, you're in chainmail or something? Yep. Yeah. yeah. I like being... Uh, right at the bottleneck because I can meet shield mm -hmm. a little bit right there and jump out and kind of surprise them. And if there's, you know, hide and run in for flanking possibilities around, we might be able to surround them. Do we know how many we're dealing with? You're expecting four, four or five. Four to five. five. Yeah. Riddle, uh, as a gambler. Right. Profession gambler. Profession gambler um, says, uh, you know, I, I always like to, uh, I always like to wager on myself against the house, but at the same time, if the house has uh, too big of an advantage, we have to shave that down a little bit. So why don't we move some of these uh, crates around so that we really only have a couple options where they can go when they come out. What do you, what do you think? I'm thinking that we take some of those crates that are in the back behind the dotted one that's just to the left of the door, and we're gonna move some of them over so that one or two of them, or maybe the one right in front of Long Fist, goes and covers that space. Just covers this face, mm -hmm. so they're boxed in so there. So they're boxed in in there, okay. and then we funnel them right to that corner, and we can we can fight them all through there, and, and they have no place to go. But we basically box them in so that they only are able to come into that little area further away from the ship, and we can fight them there. You're saying the 10-foot tall would be easy to drop down from, but it would be a move action to climb up and over. Mm -hmm. DC 5 climb check. Easy Easy. For anybody with strength, probably hard for somebody without. But, so but harder when harder when people are there with swords. Yes, for sure. I mean, that seems. I like think that's it, a good idea. I might yeah. position myself on top of that crate. Nice. I oh. could wait in the back area. Can the halflings fit through that corner? Oh, to the if north. If someone is telling them to go that way and escape. Or like if we had a border collie that could just kind of corral Heard them. them. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Especially if you take a little time to just move that last big pile of crates just enough to like make it hard for a medium-sized humanoid to mm -hmm. squeeze through, but not hard for a small-sized human to mm -hmm. squeeze through. I think you would also think of, so this warehouse is a secure building. Uh, steel doors, if it gets to the point where they are encountering an obstruction so close to the door that they duck back inside, mm -hmm. uh, you might not be able to get at them. Got it. At least within the one minute time frame. What if we make a sound large enough that it sounds like some of the crates fell, so they come out and they're like, oh, fuck, we have to move these fucking crates, they're in the way. And then when they're put down their weapons to move the crates and stuff, then we jump down from crates and attack them. Mm-hmm. Two or three of us can go and uh, fight from the from the outside, and someone else can maybe run in and at least make sure that the door can be opened. Hmm. Great. I like it. Take the one to the south and basically push push that one up, 
and then push it over so that it looks like it fell so down accidentally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Blocking that space. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then we can be up on top of ones, because if we're laying down, no one would be able to necessarily see us because we're 10 feet up. In theory. Um, I would like to be in the cubbyhole area. Where should I be? I would be, I'm going to be on top of that one next to the door. So who's pushing? If we push it, if we push it up first quietly and then push it so that it blocks that open space. Mm -hmm. Where are you, Riddle? I would probably be to the north of, of, uh, I'd be catty corner to Tyrrell. There, or on top of, on top of boxes. Here? Toward me, yeah. That one, but probably laying down. Okay. Okay, so Tyrrell on top of a tall pile of boxes right outside the door. What about, um, Longfist? Can he be seen if he's pushing, like... Do we think that they would be able to see that activity? I think the, the the crate you're talking about moving here is interior enough mm-hmm. to the mm-hmm. the the maze of crates here that I don't, I don't think there'd be a good line of sight. I think he'd be safe doing that. Okay. And then Riddle is on top of okay, he's on top of a large pile, sort of catty corner from Tyrrell. But just laying down. Laying down. Do you need stealth checks on that? Oh, we'll be getting some stealth checks. Yes. <laughs> and Jane is a wolf around the corner to the north. Uh, so the idea is you're gonna push over the boxes and make a noise and you think this is gonna draw them out to fix it. Either that or when they come out and see it, they have to deal with it. They have to deal like, with even it. Even if it doesn't draw them out. It, it's I an love obstacle. It. It's an obstacle. I love it. And are you wanting to time this deliberately at some point where you know they're not going to expect it or do you want to like wait until you can hear some activity on the inside like maybe they're about to start their move and then cause the commotion where do you think it do we have an idea of what time this is happening sometime tonight and i'm picturing this as you probably got here like say it's we're picking up sometime after midnight and you've been kind of laying in wait for a few hours i think we should just put it into position and not drop it and not use a commotion to draw them out that's my thought, is that they should just come out and see that something has fallen over, which we have carefully orchestrated to look like something has fallen over. And I would also, I would also say that it might not be a bad idea to set up one of the other uh, crates where it could be pushed over. Like toppled down. Mm-hmm. Toppled down so that if, if it, something goes on too long or we see like a whole bunch of... of uh, people coming we can push one so that at least they have to spend the time to climb up a 10 foot tall box or should we just block block off down at the southern end too just provisionally or just make it so there is no way to go south without well, that I think they'll see from the ship they might and that might draw their curiosity but if we took like one of those in in inward ones and just slid it down without ever breaking that southern plane so kind of deep inside that uh, 20-foot so ho- hallway. Then yeah. hopefully that first row will block that. I see what you're saying. Oh, I, think, I, like I that. think that would be blocked from the view of the ship, for sure. I like that. Yeah. So I like that a lot. this one to here. Yeah. Then, yeah, yeah and then that, well, that little movement, I think that's the best way to go. Got it. Mm-hmm. Just, that's why it pays to get to a job early. <laughs> so it's going to look from the south, should anybody be coming, until they get right there. Like that path is still clear to the yeah. warehouse until right. they yeah. get right up. Until on they it. get right up That's on top great. of it. I like that. 
If only our actual second level Age of Worms characters were this thoughtful (laughs) and planned ahead this way. So, on the south end, we've blocked off the top of that five foot wide passage, and we're going with the uh, quietly laying down an obstacle Mm -hmm. in front of the door there on the north end. Yep. Great, great, great. And then, so Tyrell is still above the door. Riddle is about 10 feet away to the north, lying flat on those boxes. Jane's hidden behind boxes further to the north near the loading door. It looks like Longfist is hiding just to the south below the obstruction. Great, so set this in advance, wait for them to come out and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Love it. Okay, so at the moment that they start to emerge, let's call it like 1.15-ish, the door opens and you see, oh, you know what? Let's make these stealth checks right now. Ooh, everybody. Yeah, go ahead, yeah. <laughs> Robert, what did Tyrrell get? 19. And Riddle? Uh, I have a negative three <laughs> stealth, and I rolled a four for a oh, one oh, total. A sweet, sweet, <laughs> sweet, one. sweet one. Uh, next closest would be Long Fist. I rolled a two on the die, minus one for a one. <laughs> and what about Jane? 17. 17. <gasps> Excellent. Great. You can't be seen. You've got full cover. You're behind those boxes entirely. So the question will just be, uh, if anybody looks up, it's going to be able to be seen. All right. So I don't know. Part of my outfit is like draped draped over the the top. And And it's just a little spangled and shiny. The moon is just bouncing off your pearly white skin. There you go. It's not pearly white yet. It's still regular color. The door opens. Still pearly. And you see a halfling get shoved out by a human man. It's Kelishite, so sort of olivey skin, dark black hair, uh, dark eyebrows, dark goatee, in leather armor. He's holding a machete. He's pushing the halfling in front of him. The halfling's hands are bound behind him. So basically, the the pirate is using the rope that's binding his hands as kind of a, as a as a goad, as a prod, pushing him forward that way. The halfling has a strip of fabric tied around his mouth, so he can't make any noise. But they uh, they've left his eyes uncovered so that he can see where he's going. Got a machete in hand, and he pushes the halfling forward, and he is followed very shortly behind him by another guy similarly outfitted pushing a youngish female halfling. And as you see these two halflings, you guess they're probably family, like maybe cousins. They have a, they have a, a family resemblance to them. They're sort of a similar cut to their, the shape of their face. We get to that point where it's basically halfling pirate, halfling pirate, when they catch sight of, <laughs> of this box. And I'm gonna start saying what they do. And if at any point you're like, I think this is when I'm gonna jump in and do something, just let me know. So there's a bunch of hollering to each other in Kalashite, which none of the four of you happen to speak, but it's very clear that it's like, uh, we, gotta, we gotta move this stuff here. And you hear like a almost dog barky reply in the same language from inside. Uh, clearly the knoll is probably just like another 10 or 15 feet behind them. So I think the first thing they would do is push the halflings to the north here into the open space 
and move up to start moving this box. They've got crate-sized boxes on either side of them, which just seems like a perfect place to set down one's machete if one had to lift a <laughs> giant box, right? And that's the point where... That's the one point where long, long, fist, long fist's <laughs> total cover from his placement would no longer be an issue. All right, let's see if I could get something ridiculous on a perception check here. <laughs> one. Okay, let's see how bad their check is. Perception zero. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. So they got a one, you got a one. They spotted you, as ridiculous as those low rolls are. So they're start, they've set, they've both set down their machetes. They're starting to move this box, and coming in behind would be the next clump here. That will be the point where they will spot Longfist. Just two halflings. So far, two. Uh, the next guy that's coming out, which is the halfling that he is leading up to the north into the same square with the with the woman steps in behind this guy looks a little different he's verizian looks a bit sunburned like maybe his complexion was not made for all this work around the uh, equator like this he's in dark studded leather he's got a short sword in his hand so the first two had machetes this guy's got a short sword and from where you're at riddle i think you could see the last of this group here as we're gonna move into combat mode, you would see coming in right behind a sunburned short sword guy, this just hunched, feral looking, dirty, orange furred hyena headed humanoid standing about like seven feet tall with this hideous hunched back. He's wearing this gleaming suit of katapeshi scale mail. He's got a long spear in his hand, a few javelins and a container on his back. He is pushing the fourth halfling in front of him as the uh, number one, let's call him number one of the two machete guys, spots Longfist. And what does this guy get? Short sword guy does not see Tyrrell. So as short sword guy is coming through the doorway, he's already alerted that something funky is going on. He does catch sight of a strange shape atop the boxes to the north there where Riddle is. <laughs> but at this moment in time, as this is happening, Tyrrell is the only person who has not been seen by anybody and can take a surprise round action. You can't see what's happening, though, okay. right, Jane? Uh, so you wouldn't be able to, I don't think you'd be able to time super specifically until you knew the fight was starting. Okay. Tyrrell, you are stand I mean you are right above the sunburnt dude with the short sword. You got a move action or a standard action. What do you want to do? Um I'm going to attack him. Yeah. With what? With What uh, are you armed with? So, uh Tyrrell is currently armed. I, how did I get a plus 1 short sword at second I, level? I, don't I know, forget but you how did. that happened. From the whispering cairn probably. Yeah, probably. Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I at my disposal I have a plus 1 short sword, I have a rapier, and I have a short bow. I am going to use the plus 1 short sword. Love it. Ooh. Now, is this am I am I jumping down on him, or how no, does am like, I just is this a swipe you, down? I think you can actually uh, like slice downward okay, and cool. hit him in the top of the head. Then, um, so I'm normally that's a plus five melee. Uh, any additional pluses based on circumstance? Plus one for higher ground. Yes. So plus six. And he is going to be flat-footed because he does not know you are there. Plus we six have action for a, points. 
You all have one action point left. So you all get yes. one action point for this encounter. I'm not going to use it now. I'm going to. Uh, so I, I rolled an eight, which is not great, but plus six, so 14. That is a hit against his flat footed armor class, and that is a yes. sneak attack as well. So I get an extra d6 on that. Let's use uh, 1d6 plus 2. So this one, this one's regular damage. So uh, max uh, 8 for regular Ooh. and another 5 for sneak attack. Oh, so 13 oh points of damage. 13 points of damage. That short sword comes down. You probably like cleave right into the side of his ear, into his brain, and he just drops dead. Wow. And, and oh, I hope that all, was the rogue. We're going to all roll initiative. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. Meh. Garbage. Jane. Five. And long fist. 17. Nice. What's your dexterity bonus? Uh, plus one. Okay. And Tyrell. 11. And Riddle. Edging in right below Tyrrell at a sweet, sweet 10. Excellent. All right, so top of round one. Longfist, you hear the sound of this, uh, let's call him a rogue, shall we? Dropping in a wet splat <laughs> around the corner and sort of like on the top of the boxes there, you can see Tyrrell like just slashing down. Out of the corner of your eye around the corner, you can see the two pirates who are no longer armed like <laughs> reaching over to the box. What do you want to do? You said number one saw me, right? Yes. So in that moment that the he's gong? like... <laughs> in that moment he's bending over and it's dark and there's mist and stuff, our eyes meet. And I hear that squelch and I'm thinking, all right, we're on. <laughs> stab at him with my spear. Can oh, I nice. take a step forward and do that? You can take a five-foot step and uh, absolutely do that. Do you have a regular spear or a long spear? What's the length of that spear? It's uh, just a regular spear. Great, so it, it attacks adjacent foes. Mm-hmm. Love it. So you slide five feet forward and stab at pirate number one. All right, I rolled a 12 on the die, plus six is 18. That Ooh. is a hit. You slide the spear right through a... <gasps> Uh, for 10 points of piercing damage. And pirate number one drops, collapses forward on top of the crate as like his partner doesn't even know that we are, uh, the fight has begun yet. So number one drops. So we have killed pirate number one and we have killed rogi cut first guy. All right, nice. Uh, number one would have been up, but he's quite dead now. And hey, we're back to Tyrrell again. Neat. Wow. Well, Why weren't we this effective? And when you actually played the <laughs> we actually we played were though. We totally can I tack diagonal from one crate over down to number two. <laughs> so edging five feet to the west on top of this pile of crates and slashing down at number two. Absolutely, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. And he's so within reach. He still hasn't acted. Um, he's still, no, he's, he's still flat-footed. So, yeah. he's still, so I don't. I don't even need to worry about bluffing him. Nope. About fainting. Nope. I'm all okay. uh, Same. Same high ground plus. Yep. That's gonna be a 17. <laughs> that is a hit. Right again in his head. Uh, six points of regular damage and another five of sneak attack. So 11 points of slashing damage. You cleave again, right? Like probably hit him right in the like the bottom of his neck where it meets his spine and he collapses. Nice. Uh, riddle. Uh, so you are 
like right above the group of halflings at this moment. Yep. Okay. And prone. Do we know is is for all the halflings there are? Or That's what you're expecting. Yes. Okay. Yep. And, and they're now all within sight. I'm going to use updraft as a swift action, and that uh, floats me up. It can float me up 10 feet per level of altitude, but... But you just want the safely landing part, right? Exactly. Yeah. I think you can just have it go, make you go up five feet. And then, five feet, yeah. I'm and gonna, five I'm feet gonna, over, right? Five feet over, yeah. So I'm going to do that. And that's a swift action? That's a swift action. Just a gust of wind, like... Lifts me up. And, and as I float down, I'm gonna, I want to try to be... Uh, uh, is there somebody right there? Can't even see. Come down five feet to his east, so just to the north of the halflings there. All right. Yep. Uh, I will come down there, and uh, are they considered allies to move through right now? Yes. I mean, okay. they, they are watching you all cut down their captors. Yes. And, and I will and I will just say to them, like in a not not super loud voice, "Death to slavers! You're free. Run that way." Excellent. Excellent. And pointing the, towards Jane. Pointing towards Jane. Great. Great. Um, and I will then move uh, straight to the door and try to get in. I will bravely rush the door and basically take the attack of opportunity that is probably waiting for me. Nice. Okay, so you can close to the door, and when you get there, you find that the gnoll is there with his long spear, which has 10-foot reach. Yep. However, you're coming from around the corner there where he's got cover, so he can't take that attack as you move into that square, so I think you're totally fine. So I can still move into and past the... Uh, Oh, you're gonna move through the door. And yep, try to get I'm gonna it. go oh. inside. Yeah, I'm. I'm willing you're gonna, to take. You're gonna I'm take, a hit. To take I'm willing to take the attack of opportunity. I love it. So you're going through the door, moving through the square of the last halfling into the room. Okay, great, great, great. What, what's your target square yeah, here, John? Uh, if I could be next to next to the halfling. No, actually, one more, one more over. Yeah, can I do that one move? Yes, and then, that's, that's thirty feet. So, oh wait, what is your move? Is it thirty? My f- move is thirty because of the travel because domain. of travel domain. <laughs> Plus 10 feet to base speed. All right, so the knoll catches sight of you edging through that doorway and is going to take an attack of opportunity with his long spear. 18, does that hit? That does hit. Okay, so you get jabbed in the side by the long spear as you're edging past for uh, 11 points of damage. And I take it. I take that 11 points Still on your feet? Damage. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. All right, so swift action, move action. And now I have an attack. You do. And I will attack. Da-da-da. I take my trusty longsword and try to stab him in the heart with a natural one. <laughs> because I just got jacked by this giant spear. Jacked in the yeah. side by the oh, spear. So you hear a riddle cry out. Oh! Nice, but you've closed into the space and you're now able to like actually set up maybe a flanking position inside the space, which is nice. There is another... So it looks like there's an office in the southeast corner of the building, only about 10 feet away from where Riddle has landed. There's a door on the north wall of that office, so a little about maybe 15, yeah, like 20 feet away from where Riddle is. Bloodtooth, the fearsome Knoll captain, is up, and now he is in that position that anybody who uses a reach weapon hates to be in, which is that he cannot use his long spear to attack an adjacent square. And he's got his back to a wall and nowhere to go. So in order to get someplace to attack you, he has to move and provoke. Is he Dexy? He, he, he did just see me totally with it. But he's also seen all of his companions get mowed down. <laughs> mowed down. Murdered. All right. Instantaneously it's murdered. It's a busy 12 seconds. Let's see. Yeah. I think he's stuck. 
doing total defense as a standard action to give uh-huh. him plus four dodge bonus to his AC as he has to try to move into a more favorable position. That's what he's going to do. You just cost a round of him attacking, which is nice. And he is going to move around Great. to the other side of you, 10 feet away. But his movement provokes an attack of opportunity. What'd you get there, Johnny? Natural 18. Oh! <laughs> nice. So 18 plus, let's see, what is my uh, master with launcher? Plus four, so that would be a 22. Even with plus four to his dodge bonus and wearing the scale mail, that is a hit! Yes! Wow. These, I thought these guys would last a few rounds. Oh, but Amir, Amir Gray's, it's going to be a total of uh, five points. Oh, yeah. Yeah, does not does not feel that very much. All the, oh, no. That was about to say. Nice. But a nice nice cut with the longsword. Okay. Number two is dead. Jane. Okay, the fight has started, and you can hear the sounds of uh, Riddle's Riddle saying. Riddle's the halflings. Yeah. So she's going to wait right there and hold her turn for the halflings. To Great. 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 And you're going to so stay can... in wolf shape. I mean, I'm I'm hidden, right? Yeah. The idea is they're gonna run past me and not. I'm gonna like creep back. So oh, great, great, great. I don't want to scare them. Yes. But yeah, the. But you want to stay in this form because you're faster and. Yeah, yes. I love it. Uh, so they are next. Those three, they would start booking it, and actually, they're all four of them they're are in the clear at, this, at yeah. this point. Yeah, with a double move because they're not blindfolded, so they don't have to move at half speed. We can move all four of the halflings through the the cranny to the north there. And they are basically now, uh, they are on the outside of this protective wall of boxes. And barring something crazy happening this next round, essentially, like, freedom is right straight ahead of them. So they they whiz past you and don't notice the terrifying wolf hiding in the shadows when you kill them. Come out into that open area. Yep. And see what I what do I see? There are no there's a pile of corpses and you can see Tyrrell on top of the boxes and uh, Long Fist around the corner, both looking into the warehouse where clearly the fight has moved. So um, I'm gonna head to the door. And then I'm gonna move all the way to the office wall straight ahead. So 40 would put you either right behind Riddle or right next to Riddle. Right behind. Okay. So that's my move. Mm-hmm. I'm going to shift to human form. Yeah. And I think I'm going to throw a snowball at the knoll. Because why not? Why wouldn't I? So it's a swift action for you to shift, right? Yep. Even uh, both into and out of form? Yes. Okay, great. And so uh, an icy cold ball of elemental ice and snow flies from your hand. Mm. Is it no. touch attack, though? It's a touch attack, but I rolled a four. You do have an action point. I know, but I only have a plus two ranged attack, so that's a six, and I don't... Um, you're looking at a giant dude in heavy armor. All right, well, fuck it. I rolled a one on my action point. Oh. So that's a seven. All right, so the <laughs> no like, rah, dodges out of the way as the snow goes flying past him. Was he shocked to see a snowball? Uh, he was shocked to see a snowball here in the heat <laughs> of Casimir. That will help. <laughs> All right, top of round two. There's not many enemies left. Just old Bloodtooth, and everybody else didn't even get too much to do. But that's great because we're telling a story of freedom fighters, right? Yes. Who so, doesn't want to see slavers eat it? Exactly. Yeah. Longfist, you are up. <laughs> um, well, I want to close as close as I can to the uh, going inside there. That would be thirty feet. So. Get me as close as I can to... Uh, so annoying. you've gone to five? Uh-huh. 15, 20, 
25. Down low. 30. Yeah. If you go the, if you go straight along that wall, you're you're closed with him. Yeah. You will pass through the reach of his spear. Are you going to take that attack of opportunity? Yes. Okay. Stabs out. Natural 20. Oh, boy. Nice. So this is a hit and a critical threat. Let's see if we can back it up. Uh, the confirmation roll is 21. Yeah. Critical That's hit. That's a critical hit. Um, <laughs> 11 points of damage. Nice. That could have been uh, more in the 20s. But the dice do what the dice do. All right, you have closed with a single move. Great. I'm going to attack with my spear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the Battle of the Spears. Oh, no, you know what? I want to... Can I grapple him? <gasps> oh, you could. Have Ogre versus no. I'm just rolling, uh, natu- uh, rolling a 20-sided with the CMB. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh, wait, hang on. You don't have... Do you have improved grapple? No. That would... Oh, that would provoke. However, you're now adjacent, and he's taken his attack of opportunity, so you would feel like you're probably safe. So what'd you get? Uh, n- not very good. Uh, <laughs> 12. Do you want to use an action point? Yes. Do you want to use the action point? Plus two. That'd be 14. CMD, 13. Wow. <laughs> so you have grappled him. Nice. So now... What is the grapple condition? Yeah, let's, ha- let's hand, uh, let's let's, hand Polly uh, a grapple condition, little, uh, card. condition card. In this moment of grappling this giant uh, half-dog creature, how do, so, you, uh, how do you feel? He's now um, restrained, cannot move, takes a minus two penalty to AC and CMD, attack rolls, and combat maneuver checks, reflex saves, initiative checks, dexterity, it just keeps going. Yeah. <laughs> Ability checks, dexterity-based skills. Suck. Yeah. And, suck. um... He doesn't. He's not a spellcaster, but he also cannot make attacks of opportunity. Right. Thing. So he's held in place. Right. He's got a minus two to pretty much everything that's even remotely dexterity based, and he can't take any attacks of opportunity. All right. So who is up next? Next is Tyrrell. You just saw Fist come in <laughs> and wrap his giant half ogre arms around this dog creature. That's they're basically the same size. I mean, they're both just these hulking mountains of muscle grappling with each other. What you want to do? Um, get in on that. I'll, yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 gonna, I'm gonna get down off my box. <laughs> uh, how much like, how much movement does that take? More than five feet. Give me an acrobatics check. Fifteen. Five feet of movement, and you land on your feet. Okay. Uh, that's five, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five, thirty. And I'm just gonna look at the situation. You guys wrestling? <laughs> I <laughs> uh, imagine there's a whole bunch of grunting going on. <laughs> uh, and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do, just to be safe, I'll do a quick perception check of the room just to make sure no, I don't, there's no one lurking about I or anything like that. Uh, 24. Okay, you don't see anything you don't expect to see. It's a large open space uh, at the moment cleared of goods. However, there is this office uh, with the closed door that you are standing next to. Then you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and. Then I'll, I'll move to the front of the door, so for the, the next time I'll be there to uh, investigate. Love it. Riddle, you're up. I am going to, as my standard action, uh, touch my good pal Long Fist mm-hmm. and cast Cure Light Wounds Ooh, for excellent. 1d8 plus 2 hit points for a total of 
five hit points. Excellent. And then I'm going to white, or maybe in your case, blue, right? Yeah, it's like a bluish, bluish white. Yeah, and you see these these spear wounds just knit up as you as you watch. And then I am going to move to a flanking position with my good friend. Take attacks from opportunity. Long fist. It's gonna go create uh, right diagonal in the center of the room. Now he is now surrounded. Then blood tooth is up. He's going to use his combat maneuver check to attempt to escape this grapple. This is the one thing that the grappled condition does not give you a penalty on, so he does not suffer that minus two. Uh, It did say minus two to combat maneuver check. Except those made to grapple or escape a grapple. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, if two people are grappling, the idea is you don't have any extra special benefit or penalty with the person that you're grappling with. It's just you're worse against everybody else because you're so focused on on the fight. Got it. I I do have to say, as someone who trains... Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, that is completely false. <laughs> That's the rule. Uh, <laughs> does a 10 beat your CMD? Not at all. Nope. All right. He is still grappled, and that's that chapter. Uh, Jane. <laughs> um, you would notice that uh, Riddle is obviously bloody. Oh, right. But you moved very far away from me. So uh, I will skirt around to get behind Riddle. And prepare to heal him next to Okay, so diagonally between uh, middle and Tyrol. Beautiful. Excellent. All right, that is the end of the second round. And we have, uh, we've managed to now at this point completely surround the dastardly slaver, Bloodtooth. Uh, Longfist, you're up. You are holding him. So I can choose to continue my grapple. Yep. Or attack him from where I'm at. Yes. And you have improved unarmed strike, correct? That is correct. Yeah, so you can just go ahead and... Can I headbutt him while I'm holding on to him? Yes, yes. So if you can use a grapple check to damage him, if you succeed at your check, he will remain held, and uh, you can deal damage as with an unarmed strike. Okay. No, 11. So you have, you're still locked in, like, body-to-body contact. You're trying to headbutt him. He manages to just turn his head sideways just enough to not take any damage. But you are all still locked together. Tyrrell. Uh, I'm going to check for traps and see if the door is locked. Great. Uh, 20. The door does not seem to be trapped, but it is locked. Getting in a little thievery a little while thievery. we're here. Wow, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> what do I roll for open locks? Disable device. device. Disable but you device. have to get these tools to hand, okay. and making those checks is, uh, it's like a 2d4 rounds, is it? Is that right? It's not a combat thing. Not really a combat thing. Okay, then um, I'll wait until combat's done, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I, I could go... You I, still have to kill the gnoll. You know? I, like, I like the way that you're like, I've done my work for the... I took out two of these guys. What more do you want? Um, Before they I mean, even knew I was there. If, if I don't... I, I'm, I'm leery to just go start stabbing someone who's in the grapple. At the moment, he's holding him still to make it easier for you to hit him. Yeah. Then I'll stab yeah. him. Yeah. I'll move to there. And uh, do I get? He is flanked, although I'm not the one flanking him. Do I get? You the... don't get the flanking. Yeah. All right, then I'll just attack <laughs> with your magic <laughs> weapon. Uh, so that's uh, eight, eighteen. That is a hit for six points of damage. Oh, nice! He is 
definitely bloodied at this point, and I'm picturing basically like you seeing you coming like long fist is just like wrenching him sideways. And I'm so just that- I'm just looking at him smiling as I <laughs> snicked, snicked. Stab uh Riddle. Riddle is going to attack from his flanking position with his long sword. Oh another natural eighteen. Mm. Uh nice. That's going to be eight points of damage. Excellent. And Bloodtooth drops as your long, your long sword like yep. slides like right into I his drive gut. drive it into him and I go, I don't like slavers. Oh, he does a bark and then just collapses in a bloody heap at your feet. At which point, Jane, behind you, you hear a little click from the door, the office door. The door opens and you hear a voice that just burrows inside your brain and says, what is the meaning of this? And this grim shape unfolds from the shadows of the office. It's humanoid, but warped and bulging, wrapped in yellow, yellow leather, yellow silks, yellow gloves, yellow scarves. Her eyes are these pale milky orbs and something on her mouth or in her mouth under her scarf is wriggling. She's got a black, bladed rapier in hand and she just wrenches forward to close with you Jane and it's like looking at some sort of like a marionette controlled by a maniac like her body is moving in weird ass ways and as her feet make contact with the ground they're making these these oddly loud thudding hollow sounds on the bottom of the pier she's attacking me well because Tyrrell wasn't able to get that door open in the middle of this combat. She did have to open the door. (gasps) So that was her move action this turn, and she just closed with you, and that is the end of her turn. Well, you're up next, actually. Great, then I'm going to move away. Provoking? Yes. And when she attacks me, Mm -hmm. I cast Windy Escape and become vaporous and insubstantial, allowing the attack to pass harmlessly through me. I gain DR10 magic against this attack, and I'm immune to any poison, sneak attacks, or critical hit effects from the attack. Oh, oh man. So nice. Look, let me roll this attack roll, see what she gets. So. I mean, yeah, she probably hits me because my arm. Yeah, because it's a 29. Yeah. <gasps> so she, you have DR10 magic. Mm-hmm. Her rapier is magical. Mm-hmm. And what else do you have? You have uh, concealment? Mischance? Is there a mischance? I gain DR10 magic against this attack, and I'm immune to any poison, sneak attacks, or critical hit effects from the attack. Okay, so she couldn't have sneak attacked you, but she is not doing that. Nine points of damage with her rapier. Nine. Where do you want to end up there? As You know, like as far away as possible. Yeah. And toward Paul. You're running around the group. I mean, yeah. you could just go behind me. Yeah. yeah. One more. Yeah, 20 feet getting directly opposite, putting Riddle directly between you. Mm -hmm. Okay, that is the end of round three. The stranger has entered the fight. Longfist, you are up. Could I do a, would a knowledge religion check give me any insight into what I'm looking at? Uh, With your training in religion, you do not recognize in any way what this creature is. Okay. Then I'm going to close with it and attack it. So, moving through Tyrell's square and closing with her right next to the open door to the office. Well, I mean, 
Bloodtooth is not there, so he could also go right in between. Yeah, us. I think I would go right up the middle. Provoking an attack of opportunity. Yeah. Which she takes. She's got combat reflexes? She has combat reflexes. Jeez. Oh, uh, that's uh, in the high 20s. Yes. It's a hit. Okay. Eight points of damage as the rapier Ooh. stabs into the top part of your leg. Very much bloody, down to one hit point. Got that lay on hands? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yes. you're taking a move action now, and you're near death and uh, directly in front of her. What do you want to do? Oh, oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's still your turn. Still my turn. Um, <laughs> swift action. Can I do that now? Yes. Lay hands on myself. For max hit points, so I'm back up to seven. Excellent. And uh, I'm going to punch her in her stupid face. <laughs> Don't make contact with what's under the scarf. <gasps> Ooh, natural 17 on the die, plus 6 for a 23. She easily dodges out of the way. Holy shit. Oh, snap. Tyrell. She's going to kill us all. Um, I mean, technically we killed the slavers. There wasn't anything about killing her. She wasn't even supposed to be here, in fact. I wasn't even supposed to be here today. <laughs> bad information. We got bad information. Um, all right, well, then... Fuck it. Uh, five foot step, and I will do a feint, improved oh, feint. Nice. It's a, a 16 on the bluff check. So the difficulty is 10 plus BAB plus wisdom modifier, or 10 plus sense motive, whichever is higher. Let me see. Uh, no. Not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> not with that roll. Well, uh, still going to stab her. Um, okay, so what was it that you just missed on? Like a 23. Three, was it? All right, I'm going to use my action point. I rolled yeah. a 22. Uh, 27. You hit. Oh, my God. Nice. I really All wish right, that so had been a sneak a, attack. Find a chink in her. What is she wearing? Oh, magical leather armor. Yep. That's a crack die. That's the same thing. Um, six. Six points of damage. All right. So she writhes in pain. as the blade slides into her side and... Yes, she takes all of that damage. Good, good. Riddle, you are up. Riddle is going to take a standard action to cast Cure Light Wounds on himself since he is down 11 hit points. Nice. Um, because I kind of feel like I'm going to need that. Hmm. Uh, oh, and only for five points, but that's still... I'm only down six then, so that's something. How much are you down, long then? Um, down eight. And then I'm going to step into the space in between the two of them. Oh my god. All right. So everybody except for Jane is now five feet away from the stranger as she is trapped in this corner against that door to the office. And total defense is a is a standard action or is that a... Total move? defense is a standard action. Okay. So I can't do that. All right. Whew. Okay. She's up. So you just healed yourself, Longfist, right? Mm-hmm. And she just saw Riddle heal himself. How's Tyrrell looking? Has Tyrrell Fantastic. Taken- he hasn't taken any damage. Great. All right. So she's going to return the favor. She slinks sideways to her left and then stabs out to the right. She's going to try to faint you. Fuck that. So this is against whichever's higher. 10 plus your BAB plus your wisdom modifier. 
or 10 plus your sense motive. Ten, 10 plus sense motive is 11. What was the other one? <laughs> BAB plus wisdom modifier. 10 uh, plus BAB. Oh, no. Mm, that's probably not going to be. Where is that? Maybe so lower. So 10, that's 11, so 12. <laughs> uh, her bluff check is 35. <gasps> so she has fainted you. She attacks with her rapier. Get off my patch. Yes, 29 is a hit, I assume. <laughs> this is a sneak attack for. Oh my god. <laughs> 23 points of damage <gasps> I have 14 hit points so that's a constitution death I believe <laughs> and at that moment you see her stab her rapier right through Tyrrell's heart and Tyrrell drops she turns to long fist you see the front part of her little scarved mouth like wriggle as though there were a thousand tentacles underneath it. Mm. And Jane, you're up. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> do what you're gonna do. You guys are awesome, but we can't win. Don't look at me, I'm dead. Somebody <laughs> should let people know what happened here. Jane turns into a wolf. Uh-huh. And leaves. All right. We're going to track your movement because she can move faster than you. So let's uh, let's move Jane 80 feet. Uh, 100 feet. 100 feet? You got a 50-foot move? Mm-hmm. Oh, so she moves the same speed as you. All right. Okay. That's going to give you some hope. She's going to follow where the halflings went? Great. We won't worry about that right now. Okay. We'll see how quickly she decides to go after you, in which case... I'll just put her out there. For yeah. The love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Jane boogies. That's the end of round four. Okay, Stranger has appeared. Stranger has killed Tyrrell. Jane is running off to let everyone at the north top end of the pier where the halflings were running to, where the rest of your organization is hiding and laying in wait, that this horrifying monster was here when she was not expected to be. Longfist, you're up. You are five feet away from her. Um, let's just say for shits and giggles, I'm a Dexy character. Okay. I, I, I would let's like... Let's giggle and shit a little bit. I would be like... <laughs> <laughs> I would tumble to get to the other side of her. Is that even possible? People would even do that kind of thing? Yeah. You want to try that? The difficulty is going to be uh-huh. five plus her CMD. So not easy. No. Not easy. No. And it would be like an acrobatics check? or It would be acrobatics, yep. Yeah, no. He's gonna go down. Try and punch, punch. Punch, punch. A natural five. All right, she dodges out of the way. Tyrrell is dead. Riddle. Well, he loses one hit point. Now he's at negative oh, ten. Negative ten. Let's attack a swift action. One more lay of hands on myself. Oh, great. Yeah. Uh, Riddle. Uh. Thank you, yes. So Tyrrell's at negative 10. What is your con score? 12. Okay. Oh, my God. Riddle is going to take a five-foot step away uh-huh. uh, and touch Tyrrell and cast Cure Light Wounds. Oh, nice. Because that's what he would do. Yep. For uh, only five points, but he's not going to, at least he's not dead right now. Negative five and stable. And that is my, that is my turn. 
gonna do the same thing. She's gonna try to mow you down one by one. Uh, she's gonna attempt to faint you. Yeah, I got something again in the high 30s. Attacks against your flat-footed armor class. Does a 31 hit? Yep. Twenty-three points of damage. I'm at negative ten. Negative ten, and with that, long fist drops. She takes a five-foot step to close with Riddle. Chain is running. All right, we're in the next round now. Long fist. You're not dead though yet, right? Negative uh, ten. What do I? What's your con? Ten. Oh. You're dead. Okay. You're dead. Yeah, he is dead. dead. All right. Tyrell, you're stable. Riddle, you're up. Am I able to move and do total defense? Because I feel like somebody that you just had did that. Total the, defense the is a standard action, and then you can take a move action. Okay. Withdrawal is a total, is, is a full round action though, right? It is, yes. You can move up to double your speed. The first square you leave does not provoke an attack of opportunity. All right, seeing that they just got mowed down, I'm going to withdraw, and I'm gonna move to outside the door, around the edge so that she can't come through there without provoking. Without provoking. Excellent. All right. So she's going to follow immediately afterwards, moving wolfishly fast. She's not too concerned about that attack of opportunity, so she is going to get there adjacent to you in the doorway and deal with it as it comes. And I am going to strike out at her again with my longsword. Yes. Oh. That's not very good. That's a three. <laughs> three plus uh, four for a total of seven, and I don't even think an action point is going to do me much good at this point. Uh, no. Because he's, he's literally, like, he's terrified at this point. Yeah. He just saw two of his friends get mowed down. He tried to save them and saw the other one get mowed down. Jane's so gone. He, he saw her run, so he's like, I'm just going to try to buy some time. And uh, he's going to... What's he going to do? He's going to... He's going to say... I bet you can't kill all of us. I bet you can't. Not in the next six seconds. <laughs> oh really? Oh really? Not in the next. Not in the next six seconds. You can't. She'll get away. There's only one person here at this moment. Riddle sees what's under her scarf as she attacks him with it. I'm not going to describe it right now. We'll wait till your actual characters someday, maybe, perhaps, see it. Sanity just, check? Yes. Uh, we won't worry about his sanity for the moment. <laughs> it's not going to matter that long. First attack comes. This is a bite. <gasps> 22. Oh, yeah. Uh, seven points of damage and six points of dexterity drain. <gasps> Quick, do that thing where you ask your god what to do next. <laughs> oh my gosh. First rapier attack, 21, for uh, another eight points of damage. And I drop. I'm at negative two. So I said when we started this little interlude that Galarian contains the possibility of an infinite variety of stories, such as stories of valiant freedom fighters bravely battling the forces of tyranny. The story of Longfist, Riddle and Tyrrell is not such a story. Theirs is a tragedy, a story of noble lives cut short long before their time, all because in the year 4703, 15 years ago, they crossed paths with the stranger. I've got a little cap to this. 
but I want to hear how Jane's part of the story ends. I don't believe that Jane will ever forgive herself for leaving, even though intellectually she knows it was the only thing to do that even the wolves would have told her to run. Right. I don't think she does much with her life, but I don't want to say too much. Okay. Because 15 years ago is not that long ago. Maybe she's still out there today. She may be. In the aftermath of the battle, a man approaches from the south. Picture a clean-cut, clean-shaven Benedict Cumberbatch in a Renaissance-era daredevil costume. Deep red leather, pouches everywhere, utility belt, the whole works. It should look a little dorky, but somehow it doesn't. In fact, it looks... 100% badass. This man is much younger than the bearded wretch you saw die on Dr. Skeen's table. He's in his prime. He finds the stranger and he speaks. Uh, uh, Sorry we didn't get here in time, but uh, (laughs) it looks like you didn't need any help. The stranger's wiping blood from her blade. Indeed not. So, did you get, did you, did you get what you said you were going to get? Yes. It seems some of my cargo has escaped, but yours was in the office with me. And the stranger returns to the office, and the stranger returns with her special cargo. And what happened next was not the beginning. But it was a beginning. A nexus, if you will. (laughs) And that's the end of our interlude. We'll see you next week. Did we level? Dark Nexus is a creation of Plug and Hum Productions. This podcast uses trademarks and or copyrights owned by Paizo Incorporated, which are used under Paizo's community use policy. We are expressly prohibited from charging you to use or access this content. This podcast is not published, endorsed, or specifically approved by Paizo Inc. For more information about Paizo's community use policy, please visit paizo.com slash community use. And for more information about Paizo and Paizo products, please visit paizo.com. That's P-A-I-Z-O dot Dark Nexus uses music and soundscapes by Sirenscape. Check them out at sirenscape.com. That's S-Y-R-I-N-S-C-A-P-E dot com. Opening and closing themes, along with additional music, composed by Rob Kozlarik. Artwork for Dark Nexus is by Matt Walquist. Special thanks to Toy, without whose generosity this project would not have been possible. And thanks to DMCP, Richard and Ari, Paul and Shannon, Chris, Scotty, Jason, Jess, Joe, Chelsea, Matt, Dave, Darren, and everyone we've gamed with over the years for all the memories and inspiration. 